Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Hanifa Walida. Hey, this is Red Summer. And we are your gay aunties, and we are back. Our hey. beloveds. Yes, we are back. <laughs> Um, sorry, we had to take a little break. That's on me this time. <laughs> um, I had to, you know, my mom, she had hip surgery. I had to uh, take care of my mom and you can't, for if you haven't had the opportunity to care give for your, um, for your parent, um, mm-hmm. maybe you're not old enough or whatever, but, um, it is something that is all consuming. So you really basically can't do anything else, (laughs) you know, and you shouldn't do anything else. You should focus on those who raised you and you just, you know, returning the favor. Um, and then also, um, just announcement. I am officially, um, an Atlanta resident. Well, yes, 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 yes. Um, I, you know, yes, another New Yorker has moved to Atlanta, but don't hate us, yo. Don't hate <laughs> us. You know what I'm saying? Well, at least not the black ones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we run it from gentrification too. You know uh-huh. what I mean? <laughs> and not for nothing. And this is going to go a little bit into what we're going to talk about. Um, I kind of see this kind of massive, uh, migration from north to south is kind of reverse great mm-hmm. migration yeah. that happened in the early 1900s when it was the south heading um, up north. Um, similar reasons, but different modes. You know, they had to go on horseback and, and buggy and had to, you know, duck white folks along the way. I, I guess mm-hmm. got a plane, I got a plane ticket, but. <laughs> <laughs> Technological advances, you know. You know what I mean? But, but. I'm able to get on a plane ticket and sit where I want and move and about and 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 make choices and and mm. be mobile because right. of my ancestors. And there's yeah. no one else I can thank but them. Ashe. So, Ashe. And so me and uh, Red were talking about this because, of course, everyone is talking about <sighs> Kanye West. Kanye and his. <laughs> <laughs> In his unfortunate statements, um, mm. misguided, miseducated, I would say slightly m- mental health issued, guided statements. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. me and Red were talking, and what we wanted to talk about today um, was this idea, not so much of free thinking, but this idea of... Um, uh, the, this kind of, you know, what is the unification of black people? What, you know, what is the, okay, hold on. How, how, how are we saying this, Reg? We, we kind of hopped around um, a little bit. Right. So there's this kind of, uh, attitude that's happening right now of like, I'm strong, I'm fearless, I'm powerful. My ancestors were punks, right? To put it blank, blatantly and plainly. Mm-hmm. Like that's the attitude that's there. It's like my ancestors was marching and trying to integrate. I'm a radical. Or right? I could, man, I would have slapped that slave on the upside right, his head. Right. <laughs> I would have that cop down. I would have blocked like, nah, son. Like you, you wouldn't. You would have picked the cotton and you would have sat down and played your banjo. Like, that's not the 
no, not not every not every Negro was Nat Turner. And let's be really clear, yeah. Nat Turner. You know, I know we like to big up Nat Turner and God rest his soul. He is one of our ancestors. But homie got free for two days, then hung. OK, yeah. he, he yeah. got some stabs in, he got some shots in and then hung, you know, so Absolutely. the story is something we can look back on, but it didn't necessarily do anything for us per se. In the long term. And actually, <laughs> the long term. It, it hurt a lot of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Because then the laws that were enacted and the ways that um, culture changed after that, the freedoms that people had actually to, to gather for religious purposes. Right. Mm-hmm. The freedom that black people had, like to to just have safe space among themselves was taken away because of the fear of this type of thing happening again. Exactly. Because so, he was a preacher. He was yeah. a preacher. And so they thought it was OK for him to go preach to niggas. You know, he's a nigga to uh, preach to another nigga. And then they realized he wasn't preaching what they wanted him to preach. Right. <laughs> so right. they clamped down on that real quick. <laughs> Right. And so now, you know, that thing where you got to put your finger up when you get out, you know, you're moving in church. Like Mm -hmm. now you got to sit in the balcony in their church. You don't get to go to your own spot. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to stay there. You got to let them know, hey, I'm getting up or walking out. Hey, count me. See me. You know what I'm saying? Because like those freedoms that we had were taken away. And so I don't, you know down that turner at all like absolutely no. i love like revolutionary thought like i'm i grew up being indoctrinated that like powerful insurrection is the way to go right mm-hmm. same <laughs> that's, here. that's just what i was taught like absolutely and but i think that what's happening is that we are we're really being trained to disrespect our elders. We're really being trained to um, to downplay the strength that it took for our ancestors to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's absolutely unfortunate because this is what is being able to be used against you in a capitalist society. If I make you ashamed of yourself and your history and your ancestry and your identity, then I get to give you mine and I can sell it to you for three ninety nine, right? <laughs> and so then we buy into like we buy into white supremacy. Mm-hmm. But we don't know mm-hmm. what what is the real deal. Like if we don't know what really happened. There's an exhibit. Um, at the African American Museum here in uh, DC. And it is such an unassuming little exhibit. You sit down in these two little seats and you're in front of like the front part of a car, right? And on the windshield, this video is playing saying that, all right, um, you know, it's the summertime. We got to go down to Alabama from Chicago to visit our people. Um, but it's the 50s. Shit, it's kind of tragic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Take this book, right? Take this book. In this book, it's going to tell you where to stop for gas, where you can stop to eat, different places where if you need to sleep that you can stop and, and get a room, right? Mm-hmm. Both times I have participated in this exhibit, 
elders have come up just just so happen right have come mm-hmm. up and done this journey with me elders who remember the green book who remember what it was like to travel as a black person not just like you just did honey <laughs> going back down to the south but with my delta miles mm-hmm. right right but for real in a car knowing that once you cross this particular line, you have to do the speed limit. You cannot play music lap. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. No, for like, real. Yeah. So by the time we made it to Alabama, the first time I am in tears because it was so hard. Like every time you had to pick, all right, you're going to this gas station or this gas station. And when you make that choice, the person pops up on the screen and tells you the consequences of that action. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm deferring to the elder. You know, which one do I do? You know, because <laughs> I'm saying, hey, you know which what way we should go. And hearing their stories and their reasonings behind, of course, what we know is the obvious choice. Like you go to the the, the dump. You go to the hole in the wall, like you go to the place that looks like it's barely standing and barely open because that's the only place that would allow you any dignity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to I have am. them tell that story of, yeah, you know, when I was six or, you know, when I was a, a little girl or whatever, that those horrible things that they had to know as children in order to survive. I could never just disregard that experience. Mm. It took so much more strength to navigate that and to to stay alive so that Hanifa could get on the plane with her Delta miles and go to Atlanta and be like, hey, right? Because <laughs> Emmett didn't get to do that. Mm. Right. Mm. Yes. Emma didn't get to do that. You know, Emma left at the house with a whole book of rules, mm-hmm. which unfortunately he didn't obey because <laughs> he was still a young person, <laughs> you know. But, you know, this, this this historical content, this is the the unfortunate thing about the lack um, of history that is taught um or that is that is taught to each generation, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so you're 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 trying to see or should damn near judge your ancestors under within the context in which you live mm-hmm. today, without first honoring that you would not have these freedoms that you so take for granted. Forget about all the crap we have to deal with white folks now. Okay, right. that's that's old and will be there for a minute, but we still able to deal with them in an open and vocal way that mm-hmm. we couldn't back then. We couldn't, yeah. you know, take that kind of freedom that we have now um, for granted. So to look back on people who lived in the 40s and 50s and judge their way, how they navigated racism, how they mm-hmm. got to get free and how they yeah. defined freedom at that time, what they, they couldn't yeah. imagine 2018. But for freedom at that time, it's like, look, I want what is, how is dignity defined? And I want some of that because mm-hmm. I am a human being. You know what I mean? It's like how you have to respect that um, before you can even respect the situation you're in. Otherwise, we're just going to be going flying off at the handle and getting our, our hearts broken time and time again. Every time, you know, a cracker does some shit and drag a, a chick up in wa- a Waffle House, you know, and completely mm-hmm. disrespect, you know, our people. And it's very, it's, 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 it's disheartening, it's heartbreaking, it's stressful, it's anxiety-inducing. But even with that, if you just talk to an elder 
about yeah. the anxiety that you're 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 dealing with with being on Instagram or Facebook every day and hearing all this bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Having to be subjected to this and like, where do I put all this anxiety? Won't you just grab an elder and just have and just talk to them and have them talk to you about how to deal with that, how to navigate those feelings so you don't one put yourself in such a danger or your family in such a danger. Not to say you can't do revolutionary acts. Not to say you can't be on the front line. Not yeah. to say that the things you're doing now is not a good thing because what? It is 2018 and you should be able to do what you could do only because your ancestors did what they did. Right. And that should oh, be said in the same so. breath. Right. Because <laughs> it's, it's a step, right? It's, it's like mm-hmm. I'm here at this level because every other brick was laid under me. Period. Right. If any of them had not happened, I would not be here. And now let's and let's take it to another level, you know, and this is where the, the lack of history infuriates me when people also kind of hold this tone of as if enough wasn't done in the past or they, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 win or, or rather black people don't ever know how to unify and do this. I know black people have done it time and time again. Right. Okay, but I have their own communities because they had no choice, and within and within that context, they did thrive until white folks got jealous and and bombed them, right, right, <laughs> like right. like Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's like we have done this. We have gotten our comeuppance within the context of our own community. We have done for ourselves. We have provided for ourselves. We have supported only black owned businesses, and and in fact, there it has been argued that even uh, integration. Um, or the, the early civil rights movement that was focused on integration, because at the time that made sense. <laughs> okay. It made perfect sense. All right. But um, it can be, it was argued not much later that um, because we did integrate, that we stopped patronizing black businesses, mm. you know, but those black businesses were there. People had yeah. trades. They were focused. They would, you know, neighborhoods were for the most part kind of safe, not all neighborhoods, but a lot mm-hmm. more safe than they are now because there was this sense of dignity and respect. Like, hey, yeah, we can't go to the white side of town, but our side of town, we're going to have dignity. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to know our neighbors. We're going to respect each other. That all existed more so than it does today. Yeah. You know, so don't, don't, don't have this. And, and this is somewhat defeatist attitude that black folks ain't going to never get it together because we have gotten it together, but we always have to go up against the same fucking wall every time. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to continue to do that, but we're not going to actually bust through the wall if we keep erasing what's been done in the past or ne- or negating or dismissing um, yeah. or judging what's been done in the past as if we're starting all over every single time and we're not. Yeah. We're not. Respect your elders, yo, especially the ones that's living, yo, grab your grandma. Or oh, if you have a great grandma, you know, grab them and say, yo, just tell me anything you're willing to tell me. Some won't tell them because some of it is really some heartbreaking stuff and they don't want to revisit that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You My know, grandmother just, definitely didn't. Yeah, it's real. That's real. So you can ask them and if you're blessed, they'll tell you. But if not, take that and walk with it. That they, it's so painful, they can't even retell it. They don't even want to oh. share that. That is so painful. You know, did you see that thing um, on Facebook? Um, I, I shared it 
I'm not sure if you saw it on my timeline, but um, this young brother, um, you know, he looked like he was, you know, 20 and change. Um, he was interviewing a man that was maybe mm, 70 or so, but he was a boy in the 40s, 50s, right? And mm-hmm. the thing, it was called modern day slavery. And basically, this is something I didn't know. So when I watched it, I literally cried on, at, at as soon as I saw it, I just cried. I couldn't even stop myself from crying. Basically, he's interviewing this elder and who's from deep in the deep south. And he says when he was a boy, which was in the 40s and the 50s, all right, there was still slavery. His family was still enslaved. The small community that he lived in was still enslaved. And how he defined that was they could not leave the plantation or else they Mm -hmm. would be lynched. You know, Um, he said that the white man would readily come into their house and take advantage of his mother. He said that I couldn't do anything because I was a boy. He said, if I could do something, I wouldn't be here. And the look on his face of what he had seen with his eyes. Mm. I mean, that alone, I I couldn't, I had a hard time taking in the information because yes, we know that white folks were fucked up long, well, up until now, quite honestly, but, (laughs) but, but we did have a certain kind of understanding. Okay. Well, slavery didn't exist though. Maybe there was sharecropping, but not actual Mm. slavery in the forties and the fifties. And then he asked them, well, were you aware? Because the forties and the fifties was the dawn of of the, of the, of of the civil rights movement, you know? And he was like, were you even aware that black people were starting to, you know, starting to mobilize a little bit. He's like, we didn't have a clue. Yeah. We right. have Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> For us, slavery was still going the hell on. Yeah. Absolutely. And th- this is real. And it's not to like, you know, it's not to like boo-hoo it to death. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's, when you have a healthy respect, um, of your of your elders, of your ancestors. This is regardless of whether you agree with them on whatever is happening politically now, whether it's LGBT issues, whatever, because whatever, they're from a different generation. That's all good. That ain't what the conversation you need to be having with them, okay? The conversation you need to be having with them, <laughs> what we all have in common, and I'm speaking to people of color, regardless of your sexuality, is navigating this world as a person of color. So this is the yeah. conversation that they can relate to, that they can actually help you with. Don't try and have some old out-and-out conversation with them about your your trans rights or your LGBT rights and everything and expect them just to get it at the wink of an eye because they, they probably won't. And that's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Let it go because they did their work for us. They yeah. don't got to appease me. My grandmas don't got to appease me. You know, yeah. shoot, my father who, 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 who was very homophobic and I guess it was hurtful, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here. You know, and when you really start to have that relationship with elders where you don't judge them for things that you feel that they, oh, they don't know, they just ignorant, but maybe they are, but you're very ignorant around a lot of other things that they can Mm. help you with. And if you don't take the time to reach out to them and have a sincere conversation with them, you're playing yourself and we're going to wind up recreating the wheel over and over and over again. And you're going to be the elder, like, you can be like, damn, y'all. We already did that. Here y'all doing the same thing over and over again. Like you ain't even love for stuff we did in the in the in the two thousand teens. I'm saying, right. I'm saying, give us free, yo. And you all have the ability, like when it's different, when those ideas of freedom are different you can easily find each other to connect with each other in order to build whatever communities you feel should have been built. (laughs) But the lack of those things being present in your life is not a reflection of the lack of them existing. 
It's a lack of your own ability to create that for yourself. So don't say it's black people's problem. It's black mm-hmm. people's fault. <laughs> where, where's your accountability for, for your own freedom in your own life, right? Exactly. So like, I'm working with these sisters right now who are doing the uh, Black Mama bailout, right? What's that? For, um, so basically, it's um, a push to help women who are currently incarcerated uh, because they cannot afford bail, right? Their uh, offenses are minor at best. Like they're only there still because they cannot afford the bill that they were given. Mm. And so we're just striving to fundraising and get money to like get the mamas home to their babies by Mother's Day, right? Say, mm-hmm. Say so, word. And last year I wasn't able to to help with them. So this year I was like, oh my God, I got to do it. I got to do it. Because my concept of freedom is based on being around people who are constantly incarcerated for minor infractions, right? Mm. And so this becomes a reality in my life. I translate that into like, what can I do? I see people (laughs) of like mind. I connect. We make Mm. a change together. Right. Exactly. And not that I'm like the be all end all. I'm, you know, doing a whole lot. Like these people are like an amazing group of visionary people. But when we put it all together for this one thing, no, we're not saving all black people out of prison at like today. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But this one thing that can be done will be done. Mm. And every year, you know, we try to amp it up a little bit more, whatever that thing is that, that we're doing. And I think back to the historical context of what can one do for your community or this idea of for our people, right? Mm. Understand that, you know, 40s, 50s, even before that, what have you, there was a different understanding of Black unity, if you wish, or even Black people. Because, yes, they're, you know, most of the LGBT, this is kind of connecting the LGBT thing, you know, LGBT folks were pretty much closeted or, you know, they weren't visible, you know. So now Black folks are having to redefine, when we say Black people, who exactly do we mean? We mean all Black people. And so yeah. that that's a hard hill to, to, uh, to climb up when for, you know, a couple of centuries, our understanding of Black, you know, has been straight for the most part, even though we were, mm. there, there was a visibility within our communities. Cause a lot of, you know, trans, um, black transgender, uh, 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 folks and, and, uh, and gay folks were entertainment within our community. And so there was this kind of relationship of, okay, well, I don't maybe accept your lifestyle because, you know, Jesus tells me so, but mm. I'd like to go to the club cause they so entertaining. So it actually yeah. was something that was embraced to a degree in the mm-hmm. community, but within a context. Now, maybe in 2018, we like that context is not enough. But back in 1945, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a sense of freedom for people, for certain kinds of folks, you know, a, a sense of acceptance. Like, okay, people come to our shows. You know, I can mm-hmm. be this, at least on a stage, I can be this. I can be myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next generation fights for more freedoms. And then the next generation fights for more freedom. Then the next generation 
sees things differently and fights for different freedoms or keeps adding on top and adding on top. That's how it works. Ain't none of y'all doing mm-hmm. nothing new. You are building on it and you better know that you're building on it. You know, right. but you got to understand the context in which people were living to truly, truly respect the deeds that they did and to the extent that they fought and how they mm-hmm. fought. And if you don't do that, I don't want to hear nothing from you, honey. Yeah. I don't want to hear nothing from you. <laughs> really, I don't, got, I don't got no time for you, you know, because I know, I know I, ha- I have no choice but to respect my answer. Because every time I have to deal with some caucasity, you know and i am sitting there deciding how i'm going to deal with it i know that in the moment that i'm sitting and deciding the options that i have i know that those options i have are only there because of my ancestors i have options am i going to go upside his head and run (laughs) you know am i going to curse him out to to you know to the ends of the earth like what am i am i going to be quiet i'm just going to ignore this cracker like you know these are all options that i have only because can you imagine a time where you didn't have that option this idea of like oh i don't care some cracker said something to me i no 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 you wouldn't my nigga no you wouldn't well we know you wouldn't because you don't (laughs) like (laughs) other than the internet Word. Like, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you know, you hitting on you hitting on no, I'm saying I'm saying you hitting on it though. You know what I'm saying? You know? Um, and other than the internet, no, no, you don't. You don't. And I'm gonna call y'all all for punks, you know, not all of y'all, because some of y'all are true revolutionaries and you are trying to, you're very vocal, you ain't scared to say nothing, but again, within the context of 2018. Now, uh-huh. if you're saying what you're saying, because even like, you know, Martin Luther King and all them, they there was a reason why they said we're gonna take this pacifist route, because this is the way we can get an inch in to begin a dialogue or conversation around our dignity. You know, whether they're willing to listen or not, how do we define our dignity in this context? At this point, we already know we're being lynched left and right. Ain't nothing dignified of being castrated and lynched and mm-hmm. held and, and and hanging for everybody to see to have popcorn and shit and have a picnic around your swinging body. Ain't no dignity right. in that. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? They, they ain't no, they ain't no dignity in, in having to go to the back of the bus. There's dignity in walking. Mm-hmm. You know, they ain't no dignity yeah. like, okay, I can't go to the back of the bus. So I'm going to, I'm going to bang on the sheriff's door and say, give me my dignity. No, we're going to mm-hmm. walk instead of getting on the bus. That is how I maintain my dignity in this context. Because at the end of the day, I got kids to feed. I got a family. I ain't trying to get lynched, son. Mm-hmm. And I'm a human being. I have general fear of death. Yeah. <laughs> ain't no wrong with fear of death. That's real. You're supposed to live. Right. So Shoot. I have, I teach uh, African-American history class. And for the entire first term, like, we were just getting to America. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So the thing is, a lot of times these these classes start with slavery, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole first term, the whole first, because we had trimesters, the whole first term, um, we learned about Africa and, like, different cultural and... and, uh, religion they learned how to uh write a little bit and like using the dinkra symbols like they did a lot of like just foundational stuff mm-hmm. and we ended that unit um reading the coming by daniel black and you're there in atlanta now you got to get you some daniel black in your life <laughs> for sure for sure i will google the after this after we book, record yes the whole book takes place um getting to and being on the slave ship. 
And there's one part where the people have endured these horrendous things on the ship. They have been emotionally tortured. They are like physically broken. They are emotionally broken. And the line says it was night and it was morning. And that was the first day. And my children dropped the books, like cried, like threw the things across the room, like, no, this is messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like they literally broke down because like all that that happened was day one. And they know that it's 89 more days to go before you see land again, right? (laughs) And so... The, the biggest thing for me, like my biggest win with that class was for students to say that they had always um, been taught to look at this experience as something to be ashamed of. Mm. And black kids um, don't want to be called African. Like they don't want to be, you know, associated with with any with slavery, they don't even want to take this class because they know it's only going to be slavery and Martin Luther King, right? Mm, mm. And this is nothing that they have ever been able to look at and be proud of. And that's mm. why for me, like my focus on, and maybe I'm hyper-focused because of that, on the strength that it takes to survive. Like switching that narrative from, oh, you got beat, you got whipped, you got raped, right? Mm -hmm. This is the condition that you are born into. You don't have a choice in that. But we are here today because they had the strength to survive and to keep going and keep inching and keep putting the bricks down and keep, Mm -hmm. you know, like making that thing happen to keep walking, to keep, you know, marching Mm -hmm. to keep whatever that thing was so that we get to be here today and be ashamed. Mm. Ah, like, (laughs) like, nah, like I can't let that ride. And so I think even a, a lot of the conversations that are coming out now, like I saw these T-shirts that was like, I'm not my ancestors sign these hands. I'm like, I, 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 I. like, don't you do that. <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't do that. Uh-uh. That's when my auntie kick in. Nah, nah, nah. Come here, baby. <laughs> like, nah, nah, that, that's a bad choice of words, son. I, I know you're trying to express some things, but you you right. going about it. Um, Nah, son. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, nah that's so, just... Oh, back to how we started off with our our brother, Kanye. I know that a lot of things happen when we couple that shame, right? Mm -hmm. With the fear of repeating that existence, Mm -hmm. right? Um, we, we, We take any opportunities to opt out that we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. When we see a way out, we get out, which is yes. why our communities look the way that they do. When we didn't have a choice of what communities to live in, our doctors, our lawyers, our uh, community activists all lived in the neighborhood with the poor black kids. Like when you when you go over to um, see Martin Luther King's house and everything, 
right across the street from that big pretty house he was in was the shacks. They're all still there, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That entire block is, is the way that it was. So that you see that he looked, he got to see both existences every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and understand that he only lived in the big house across the street because his father was a preacher. He was a preacher. (laughs) Right. And so conversation. Yes. (laughs) But they didn't, they could only move across the street at that time. Now Mm -hmm. all of our upwardly mobile black people moving way down the block. Right. (laughs) So that those children don't see you. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. The moment you can get away from us, <laughs> away from them, you're gone. And so we have to look at how many of these things we are recreating right now. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. our communities are being gentrified away from us. But what are you doing right now? Like <laughs> you buying up your block? <laughs> Like, come on. Oh, come just on, a house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just a house. Just a house, right? It's, you, it's easier what? than you think. Ah, it's just, ah, it's just ah, a process ah. like everything else. I got a question. Where's yeah. your grandma's house now? And then she tell you don't sell? <laughs> then she tell you don't sell. <laughs> she did it for a freaking reason. Because if you don't own nothing in this damn country, you ain't a citizen. Cause that's what this, that's the foundation which this country was made on the owner the owner the owning of land. Okay. If you don't got a piece, and this is not even going to the to the to the to uh, indigenous people, we know that's some old other fuckery too. Right. But as far as the context in which we came over here, and how these white folks defined um, who has the rights, it was property owners at first. Mm-hmm. Even even the poor whites ain't have no goddamn rights in the beginning. Uh-huh. In the beginning, blacks and whites were actually fighting, um, poor blacks and whites were fighting in the Revolutionary War because the rich whites convinced them, like, yeah, you need to do that because, you know, the British and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, we're cool. And then they realized that maybe these rich white motherfuckers fucked them. And then the rich white motherfuckers said, wait a minute, poor white man, why don't we just give you a little plot of land over them Mm -hmm. niggas? Okay. And then that's where that split happened. You know what I mean? But trust, there were poor whites and poor blacks that way back in 17 something, they was kind of on the state, they was in the same gutter ass situation yeah. <laughs> with the same blues. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then the white, you yeah. know, folks, you know, they swallowed the red pill. But the, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but again, just to get, you know, back to, you know, this, this point of, how do we move forward without one having a defeatist attitude of what mm-hmm. black folks can and cannot do or po- or is, what is possible for us to do or what we can imagine doing this idea of what black happiness is the one thing we got to understand this is where our uh, you know uh, um, difference comes in is that you know happiness going to look different for you and it's going to look different for me so when i mm-hmm. you know when i unfortunately have had to have a conversation with a whole tepish type of person that has this kind of mythic monolithic idea of what black happiness looks like which often looks very straight <laughs> you know it's like well that's not my happiness for me black happiness is having a choice of how i'm going to live my life and can i just be free you know and if i can't find that amongst white folks and i can't find it amongst my own people what are we doing here what are we doing here what exactly are we fighting for 
for any right. kind of tippish brothers that may be listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I said in this whole fight for black unification, you know what I'm saying? Are you making any changes in your behavior? Do you feel like you just got it all locked down and everybody just need to follow you like the Pied Piper? You know, what does it look like? It has to look different than what we're experiencing now. Well, how do we have to change as a people? And not just not just Hotepish guys, but even the, the LGBT community. We can be pretty hardcore and damn sure judgmental for everyone else because we're kind of putting ourselves like we um, are kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. You know, we got the black thing, we got the woman thing, we got the, the, the queer thing going on. Ain't nobody trying to hear us. Yes, that is true to an extent. <laughs> but... Yeah. But with that can often come this kind of very rigid way at looking at things and that there is no nuance in how life is lived. And even how people who you completely disagree with finding um, the uh, the nuance in them that you actually can connect with. OK, I'm kind of going everywhere. But what I'm what I'm trying to get at is a conversation that I had actually at Hammond's house um, when I went. Oh, this is Hammond's house. If, if you're not don't live in Atlanta, it's a. Uh, it's a historical uh, mansion um, on, on the West End, and it's a museum, and it's also like an art gallery. But I was rolling up in there, you know, because I'm exploring the town, you know, and I had a conversation with my peers and, and a couple of elders, and we were talking about this idea of, um, um, we were talking about younger folks, you know, not not bashing anybody, but trying to understand why is it that everything is this rigid thing. It's either this or that, black or white, right or wrong, left or right, you know, and to not appreciate the nuance of, of humanity. And that means the humanity of everyone. This ain't sucking up to white folks and, you know, oh, I don't got to play case to the motherfuckers. They, you know, but no, I'm talking about that. I'm saying that if you actually are trying to fight for your freedom, you're going to have to understand how to communicate with people in order, in order to how to communicate with people. Again, this is not about um, some um, uh, placating to them or, you know, bow towing to, to white folks to try and get some freedoms. I'm not talking about that. But if you're choosing to communicate, if you're choosing to, to communicate with, say, straight folks or just to, so you can start to navigate how you're going to live in this world, then you actually have to do that work, too. I'm sorry. The work never really ends. It's not because, oh, now we're on the bottom of the totem pole. We, we got to stop doing the work. We still mm-hmm. have, you will always have to work. You will always have to um, ch- be challenged to communicate with people who think different than you. That doesn't stop, period. It never stops. It's a part of what it is to live. And trust me, you don't want to live in a world where everybody agrees with you. That's not <laughs> living. That doesn't move you to anything. You don't learn nothing, nothing, Nathan, nothing. And unfortunately, I think that that has kind of become the go-to because there is this anger, you know, around the way this country is run and how we as black people, we as as queer people are treated. The anger is so much, the, you know, it's like in, in the trauma that we're experiencing is not just our own trauma, but but also our ancestors' trauma. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like it's like magnified and it's really, really dense and it's not trying to hear shit and it's saying, I don't need to do nothing. I don't gotta do nothing for y'all motherfucker. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you know, you don't have to, but at some point you have to do work that you don't like. You know, it can't all be all in the gang. We out here fighting for our rights and the person to the left of me and the person to the right of me looks like me and fucks who I fuck and, and yeah, it was at the party last night that I was at. You know what I mean? Like, nah, son, it is work. 
It is work yeah. until the day you die. I'm sorry. And I don't want to be a pessimist. I'm not really being a pessimist. I'm saying there's happiness in your life, there's disappointment in your life, and that will be the case until your life ends. And when you accept mm. that, then you can then you can roll up on anybody. You can have a conversation with almost anybody because you know what? This is just a moment in time. And this moment in time is either going to make me grow or I'm going to choose to walk away from it because I don't want to deal with it. But if you're choosing to stay, mm. then that's a growing moment for you. You get something out of that. Nothing is getting yeah. taken away from you if you're having the strength to stand and learn something or rather experience something from someone that maybe doesn't agree with you on every point. But if you're going to say in some little polarized silo, right? Uh, that's thinking, the right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, son, what you doing? No, like it's like I don't like hanging around people like that. It's annoying as fuck. It's like y'all some closed mind. You think you're so open minded? You closed minded as fuck because you're not willing mm. to open your mind to how other people are living and seeing yourself and other people as different as they may look and seem mm-hmm. and think. We still all living in the same country. So trust me, you have commonalities, whether you want to admit it or not. And that's the ground on which you stand if you choose to stand on that ground. I'm sorry. I'm, that's, that's my little rant. Oh. But I, I just was taking a second, like, whether I'm glad this is out. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm glad it's recorded. I'm glad that it's out because. There are so many of our, like our ancestors, uh, our elders for, you know, your, for you and me, like, <laughs> and I think about like how we were saying earlier that a lot of the stuff that, that they had to share, they didn't have the opportunity to in this way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um I'm honored to have the technology again, right? <laughs> to be able to, to say it, to be able to record it. I think about um, those last um, ancestors who had experienced slavery, who were um, interviewed by the Library of Congress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the slave narratives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the ones that had the, the, the white narrators that came, they were scared that, you know, something was going to happen to them if they told the truth. So, <laughs> but you really get to see this, this beautiful thing happen when black narrators were sent to interview those people mm-hmm. and the, the beautiful way that they were instantly brought in as, uh, as brothers and sisters and, you know, were immediately made family and the, the stories were shared. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm honored to have an opportunity to have this talk with you. Yes. Honey. Yes. We, we <laughs> have a privilege. To, and to, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we are. This, this is a privilege. And I don't take yeah, it for granted. With, <laughs> with our, our peers and, and, and young people who we adore and are part of our lives and, and, and are interested in hearing what we have to say, mm-hmm. that this is, this is also a resource that is there for them to tap into. Um, and I just look forward to those stories being added by our youth, you know, by young people and, the, and how that experience, like we have been saying throughout this, this um, recording today, it just becomes the next step, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all this thing really is, is that 
we need to um, be able to, because life is, is, is real, right? <laughs> so just the luxury of being able to take the time to listen to your elders and, and hear these stories and, and, and go to your gay aunties and, and just sit down with them for, you know, 45 minutes for an hour and, and hear, you know, their perspectives on, on, on life and, and the things that are happening currently and in the past. Like this is, it's a luxury. Mm. And I, I wanted to take a second and appreciate it. Appreciate you for everything that, that you bring um, when you speak and and honor the the young people who will participate in this with us. And I, I echo everything um, you just said. I appreciate you know being able to you know speak with you from remotely. God bless technology yeah. <laughs> and record <laughs> these conversations. Um, that not for nothing. At some point in the future, two thousand. 50, 60, 70, <laughs> you know, when you and I may not be here, you know, somehow this is archived, yeah. but I mean, but all this stuff is important. So at the, you know, at the very least, you know, um, the more we archive ourselves, you know, um, you know, I'm not even going to that because that's a whole different uh, uh, rant, but um I appreciate this moment and I appreciate all the moments that I experience as a black queer woman in this world. They aren't always pleasant, but I also know that I have a sense of, empowerment about myself that I also can somewhat manipulate situations to be pleasant because I choose them to be. And because mm. for me, pleasantry also comes yeah. in information and education. Okay. And also, and, and I will say this and, and, and I, I, Oh, red, help me goodness. <laughs> I want to be really clear mm. because a lot of times uh, people will slam you if your words aren't exact. Okay. Um, or they misconstrue mm-hmm. what you mean. And I do. I am not echoing something that Kanye said because he felt that well, somebody don't talk to Trump. Somebody has to talk to Trump. And da, 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 da. no, I don't think of my, much of myself to the extent where I need to go to that 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 Cheetos motherfucker and talk to him. <laughs> yeah. I'm very clear of the power <laughs> dynamic. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to be that one Negro. He's gonna have to learn on his own. I'm letting his karma, you know, you know, smack him in the back of the head when it's time. Okay, I don't need to do all that. <laughs> but I have lived and traveled enough to know and found myself in situations where I had to talk to someone who does not agree with what I have to agree with. Okay. And so learning that for me, that is a bit of happiness. For me, Hanifa Walida, to be in a situation or the universe puts me in a situation that is very challenging and that I'm able to get through it walking away, having learned something that I can now attribute to my life and move forward. And it's not like it wasn't a release in anger. It wasn't a, um, you know, um, oh, could I, I curse that cracker out type of thing. It's like, oh, shit, me and that cracker, you watched the same cartoon when we was kids. <laughs> you know, or, or, or he was poorer than me or whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm throwing examples out, but I'm saying that every, there's happiness in all of, of the moments within your life. So as we appreciate this moment, baby, sit down and record ourselves and kind of talk to you all and, and let whomever hear this. I appreciate that's a bit of happiness, even though we're talking about something that's stressful and is, has a legacy of trauma. There is happiness in that because I'm recognizing what has been given to me, what my ancestors gave to me to allow this moment in time. And with that being said, (laughs) (laughs) with that being said, um, we still waiting to hear from your babies. Um, For those who have questions or have maybe 
comments on what we've talked about, um, you can holler at us on Instagram. Uh, many of you have already, and I so appreciate that. But you also can holler, you can holler us on Instagram. You can holler at us at your gay aunties at Gmail. You can ask questions. You can have commentary, and we can speak on that. But we are here to help in any way that we can about love, life, love, and life. That's basically the big two. And even Kanye. <laughs> And even Kanye. And, and and one last note on ancestors. I really hope that um, my, I, I have this saying sometimes when you're dealing with a difficult person, I say, I hope my ancestors can speak to your ancestors to have them speak to you. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to put out that, you know, I'll speak for my ancestors. Can y'all holler at Kanye's mama? to speak to him in a dream because mm-hmm. the boy is going through something. I don't know what it is. I'm not in his life, um, but it's not healthy. And someone he needs some sort of guidance or someone that he respects. So if they have to come to him in a dream from his mama, so be it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So be it. Ashe, Ashe. So be well, be well, beloved. <laughs> be well. Um, live that life um, and find and define your happiness in it. And I am Hanifa Walida. I am Red Summer. And we are your gay aunties. Be blessed, y'all. <laughs>